You're a new grad excited to start your career. You see an online job posting that's perfect for you. You polish up your resume, send it in, follow up, and wait. And wait, and wait. And you never hear back. You apply for a slightly different role. Still nothing. And you're not the only one. Entry-level job seekers and recently unemployed professionals are struggling to land a job as they compete for positions. Welcome to Stress Test, a personal finance podcast for millennials and Gen Z. I'm Roma Luzio, personal finance editor at The Globe and Mail. And I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at The Globe. For the past few years, employees have had the upper hand in the job market. They could negotiate higher salaries, remote work, and benefits. But the balance of power has shifted back to employers. They're getting pickier about who they hire and less generous with what they're offering. Rob, we did a podcast episode a year ago looking at how employees could negotiate things. Take us back to what was happening then. Employers were desperate for workers and they were offering the sky to people to come and work for them. You want to work remotely? No problem. You want a bonus? No problem. You want enhanced benefits? No problem. They had to fill positions and they were dealing. Um, But since then, the economy has slowed down. Those high interest rates we've seen have done their work and slowed the economy down. And the job market, it's slowly deteriorating. That unemployment rate is rising and there's just not that same competition to, to hire people anymore. Roma, do you think we're going back to the job world before the pandemic when it was super competitive out there and particularly hard to find a first job in your career? I absolutely do. And you and I also know that there have been cycles of this throughout the years in the labor market. But I do think we're going back to that period. I think people are going to have to work much harder to get their first job. There's going to be a lot more interviewing. Companies are going to be a lot more hesitant. The competition for jobs is intense right now because there's so much uncertainty and employers are hesitating. We're seeing that from almost everyone we speak to that's starting off in the job market. And it is a tough grind out there. Our first guest is a recent graduate who applied for more than 100 jobs before landing a role. That's up after the break. My name is Ayushi. I'm 26 years old and I live in the GTA. Ayushi moved here in 2021 and studied corporate communications and marketing as an international student. She hoped to find a job right after she finished school in April. My understanding was that I wanted to get on the job market as quickly as possible because living in the GTA is not cheap anymore. So I wanted definitely, uh, I wanted a full-time job. I did do a co-op in like 2022 last summer as well in one of the top Canadian fintech startups. And I thought that would like leverage my career. It was not that I started my job search like, you know, in April itself. I did it like in January. I was like, I started prepping for it like from January 2023. She landed the co-op pretty easily. So she figured she'd have a similar experience looking for a full-time job. She networked over coffee chats and job hunted on LinkedIn and Indeed. But her three-month search turned into four months, then five months. I did apply to like more than 100 jobs for sure. Even when I had exams, even when I was like through school towards my end of semester, kind of using two to three hours every day because uh, I was told that every every application needs like a tailored resume. It's a time-taking process to go in for every job I apply to like change my resume as per the keywords that's given in the job description or like change it, modify it accordingly. So I did spend like three hours on an average every day for like almost three months as soon as I graduated. When I was at school, I could only spend like 
an hour or two because I do have like another job. I was doing a part-time job with my studies to support myself. Ayushi applied to every junior role in her field. The salaries ranged from forty to 50000 One of her big frustrations was that the jobs described as entry-level often required several years of experience. But there was a lot of discrepancies in terms of like the years of qualification they wanted. Like even if it lists like an account coordinator role, sometimes they would want somebody with three to five years of experience. Sometimes they would want somebody with just a co-op experience. So not having that uniformity across titles definitely made it more time consuming to like tailor my resume, ask for that. So uh, yeah, I was applying through like mostly entry-level roles, but then a lot of mid-level or mid-entry-level roles were also being advertised as entry-level. So I would even apply to that just to shoot my shot. The response rate was pretty low. I would only get a response if I were like somehow reach out to somebody on the team that was hiring and do like a coffee chat or like just like an in LinkedIn DM to tell them that I sent my application and I would get a LinkedIn notification that somebody viewed my application. But other than that, the response rate was pretty standard. It was just like after a month or like after two months, an AI just sending me a rejection email. In July, she gave up on full-time positions and started applying for internships. She finally landed a role in August. It paid a little more than minimum wage. There was one good thing about this offer was that you get paid for your overtime work, which I did not see in other offers and then I had some uh, paid vacations off as well. And also a little bit of flexibility to work from home, which I found was like pretty great to start at as an intern. Her employer promoted her to full time in November, six months after she graduated. If somebody would have told me that I would be doing an internship after applying for like three months, I would have definitely not believed them because my experience with my first co-op was pretty smooth. But things changed pretty quickly after like 2022 summer. I saw like a thousand applicants even on an internship application on LinkedIn. And I'm definitely sure there are a lot of people who just send their resumes over email as well. So that kind of was challenging for me. I would have not accepted that it was the reality. But then in July, I was really frustrated. And also money-wise, as a student, you're supporting yourself, paying everything out of your own pocket. So I just decided to pivot. But there's one thing I was sure of that I would not take. I did get offers for unpaid internship. I declined because I cannot survive on an unpaid internship in today's time. For those still in school, Ayushi advises starting the job search a year before they graduate so they can start networking. And she doesn't plan to look for a new job anytime soon. She's happy where she is, and she feels like she got lucky. It's kind of about being lucky today that you apply on LinkedIn before anybody else applies, and then probably they download your resume or sees it before a thousand applications come in. So yeah, it didn't feel like it was based on my skills. I actually felt like it was me being there at the right time. Our next guest is a 36-year-old who started his career in 2010. He's part of the second group of applicants crowding the job market, people who've recently been laid off. My name is Dan, and I live in Toronto. Dan has an MBA and spent nearly a decade working at some of the big Canadian banks. In 2021, he moved to the tech industry, taking a position at a well-known startup. At the time, the job market was red hot, and he felt like he was in the driver's seat. I was applying for maybe a month. In that time, I had interviewed final rounds at, I think, about eight companies. I received three or four offers. I was actively, even as I took the job, getting messages from recruiters about other roles. In addition to that, like 
the people I worked with were constantly moving. So like from my old organization, everyone was leaving to different companies, uh, big and small, but some of them were some pretty, pretty impressive uh, brands. Some of them were moving down to, the, to Silicon Valley and to San Francisco. Dan was earning a base salary of $142,000 with a total compensation of about $170,000. Then in 2022, the tech industry ran into trouble. I had been there for about a year and I was really enjoying it. And then some layoffs happened that, in, that impacted my team initially, uh, where my boss and some of my uh, more senior people that I, that I collaborated with got let go. So at that point, obviously, how I felt about the job and kind of the psychological safety I had within my role changed. And so for the last three months I was there, it was a constant fear of being in, impacted by the next run of layoffs just because um, it had happened a couple times already in my one year there. So yeah, I mean, it, it went from a great place to a, a not so great place of, of of anxiety and whatnot. So when the actual layoff happened, I would say I was surprised and and not surprised, if that makes sense. I think you never really think that that it'll kind of come to that in any role. You know, it, it should kind of be the last resort for most companies. But I think, unfortunately, when a market's down, you really kind of learn that at the end of the day, the bottom line is what matters. He got a few months of severance and took a bit of time to regroup before really starting to look for a new job. I didn't jump back on the horse right away. I think I was pretty, pretty down at the time. Then I went back to the drawing board of like applying to just jobs every day, but it took me a month to get to that point. And yeah, money was definitely tight. Um, when you don't know when you're going to make your next paycheck, it's really hard to spend any kind of money. And so you become essentially like isolated to your home, right? Like if I go out for a coffee, well, should I be spending money on that coffee or should I just be sitting at home doing nothing? It became very, uh, you know, it was almost like a prison in, in, in some ways when you don't know when that next paycheck's coming in. Dan has noticed a huge difference between his recent job search and the one he did in 2021. Like I went from interviewing essentially multiple times a week to interviewing at that point, this was last summer, maybe one time a week uh, towards the end of it when I ended up landing this role. It was like maybe once every two, three weeks I was getting a call back. And, and I can tell you like what I see and what I hear on the market, if I were to be unemployed right now, I don't even see jobs I'd be applying for on LinkedIn. Like it's like back then I was applying for multiple jobs a day. Now, if I were to be looking for a job, I'm seeing maybe one a week at best that I would actually actively see a fit for what I want to do next. Being out of work was hard on him. I mean, you definitely start to question your worth. Like your your, your mind definitely goes, am I good at this? Um, or as good as I think I am. And then you start to toe this line of like, it's either like, am I arrogant? Am I realistic and it's outside forces? Is it a bit of both? Is it I'm you know, being hard on myself, like you just start to question everything. Right. And so inevitably you're not really sure what to believe. Like you've seen, you've seen evidence in the past of your, yourself excelling at companies that you're not hearing back from anymore. And yet you're not hearing from them now. So you can't help but internalize it. And so, yeah, inevitably you, you, you definitely get down on yourself. You start to question yourself and the places I was getting further with were not places that would have been top of my list. Um, and it felt a little bit like a jump backwards from where I, I was previously, but at the end of the day, like bills have to get paid. And it's, it's a crappy feeling to, to, to feel stuck into doing something like that. I know a lot of people do, but it's a crappy feeling when you think kind of things are going your way and then all of a sudden it's, it's uh, one step forward and one step back, you know? Eventually, Dan had to lower his expectations. Even when I got my current role and I told them the band I was talking to other companies about, the recruiter legitimately laughed at me with just uh, like, we won't get close to that. And the mindset ends up being like, am I worth that much? Am I not? You know, I'm sure as people listen to this, they're going to be like, "This maybe this guy is, is, is naive about it. Maybe I am. I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, I've seen the numbers 
held above me like a carrot and all of a sudden when it's different, it, it, it feels crappy, right? So you start to try and try and figure out like where does that line, where does that line fall? Is how much of it is me? How much of it is the, is the market? I think for me, I inevitably point it towards myself. Um, and that, that doesn't feel great. During his six months of unemployment, Dan had interviews with about 25 hiring managers and did take-home assignments for seven companies. He eventually landed a job at a large Canadian company in a different sector that pays close to what he was making at his tech job. But he knows that jobs like his previous one in tech are scarce. The reality right now is the market is so flooded. And it was it, it's way worse now than it was last year. But like... If you wanted to get someone that worked at Amazon, 70% of the dollar of what they used to get, they're on the market right now. There's been layoffs at every major company. So like, there's just too much talent to be able to compete. You know, the, the, I remember one interview I was runner up and they just said, look, someone has more experience in this specific sector. Like, I get it. So it's, it's sometimes it isn't even about you. It's just about the market, right? And that's that's the tough part is like, like I work at a big company now that I wouldn't have thought would have been as sexy as it is. And like, they have more applications than they know how to like work their way through. What advice would he give someone that's recently been laid off? I've given this to a number of friends even recently. When you're laid off, like lick your wounds, feel the feels, accept it, right? Like you're mourning, you're going through severe loss. Um, and it can be scary, especially when you don't know what you're looking forward to after that when it comes to milestones or, or work or, you know, paying up bills and all that stuff. So I would say like, definitely take the time to feel it because you're almost going to feel a sense of burnout if you don't. But I think the other thing too is try not to be so hard on yourself, right? Like the role I was runner up for, there was no feedback. It was literally just this guy was better. Like that, that's it, right? So keep in mind that a lot of this isn't you, it is the market. It's flooded. There's so many people out there looking for so few roles. So do your best not to personalize it and, and, and try and recognize that there's other factors at work here other than yourself not being worthy of you know, the job you want. After the break, we'll hear from a recruiter on the power shift in the job market and how to cope with the changing dynamics. Jermaine L. Murray is a Toronto-based recruiter and career coach. Jermaine, the job market in 2022 was the best maybe that I've ever seen in my career. How have things changed since then in the job market? I would actually argue 2021 for me and like from my perspective, especially in that tech space, 2021 was the absolute peak. And then um, at the top of 2022, things started to get a little shaky. That's when top of the year or like top of the quarter is when you always get new valuations coming in and the valuations are across the board started to go down. And it's just been one rapid, steep and depressing decline. Even a year ago, was a lot, the market, I would say, is a lot more kinder than it is now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand like, what is causing this, this sudden change. What about the economy? How does the economy play into all of this? The big part comes in the fact of just like, A, where investors want to see money in terms of like their, uh, their investors coming back to them. Um, and it's a lot harder to justify certain expenses when the economy is, quote unquote, on a downturn. Um, interest rates going up did not help at all. Um, and a lot of, a lot of companies were operating either as, and they weren't operating as efficiently as they could, operating at a full blown loss. Um, or again, they were just looking for ways to maximize profits. And one of the best ways to do that is always by cutting talent. So, Jermaine, what does this mean to the job seeker? So for the job seeker, it means that you have a, unfortunately, a much more difficult road ahead of you. 
uh, when it comes to, you know, not only getting a job or even just getting interviews and, and getting through the process, but also, um, also in terms of like your expectations or like your discussions, your negotiations are going to be a bit harder to pull off just because the employers right now have a lot more leverage. So it sounds like the pendulum's really swung because I remember the narrative in 2021 and 2022 is ask for everything. Employers will give you to whoever you want. You want to work at home, no problem. You want uh, you want a bonus, go get it. Um, what is different today in terms of what employees can get from a new employer? I still say keep that same energy of asking what whatever it is that you want. It's just that the chances of you taking a strong enough negotiating position to get everything might be a bit ambitious so you might have to rein in your expectations but you can only you can only you can only get what you ask for and it's still worth taking a shot on uh before you know i have a friend specifically you know last year he went last year he was just shopping around for a job search and he got like 15 offers in like a two-month span a year later this year he was laid off and it took him close to six months to get like an offer it was just a, a much much less was just out there for someone like him um and with that's the case employers know like if they know they know and they feel like you know if you if you take too strong of a negotiating position you know there's someone else that we can we can go it's it's a it's a, lo- a long line of applicants there and you see it when you look at linkedin and you see like um people have like a lot of jobs have like 2 300 applicants within a 24 hour span there's just a lot of people hurting right now and and that's how they're able to take advantage and position themselves so what's negotiable these days when you're considering a job offer and what isn't i would say cash is always negotiable I ha- I live by a general rule of thumb where you always refuse the first offer, even if they give you everything that you want. And I'll tell you this from as a recruiter, as somebody that was on the other end of the spectrum, when you get an offer from your hiring manager, you get it from HR and you're like, yes, I got the offer. When you present the offer to the candidate, there is like a 20 second hesitation in, like everything is just slowed down by 20% because you have anxiety and you're hoping, please, God, just say yes and sign this. But they are totally dreading and expecting you to be like, oh, you know what? I got to think about it. Oh, no, like I, I got to talk to my my spouse about it. Oh, you know, th- th- there's always going to be a pushback. We're expecting it. Right. So I always say like that you get that one freebie because no one that's only the most unreasonable of employee employers, the very, very petty, would take it personal for someone to offer like a counter offer, right? Of course, within reason, but you should be asking for more money. I do think that the conversation around remote or hybrid um, or on site would become pretty clear earlier on in the job process. I, that's one of the things employers have done a lot more too. They've, they've just taken a stance saying like, hey, if you're going to join this team, we're on site, we're hybrid, you know, we're remote. Um, and so you bringing that up at, at, at the flip of a contract negotiation, you might not have as much leverage as you did last year. Jermaine, one of the things I remember from the job market in the years leading up to the pandemic was the prevalence of gig work and how so many young workers were having trouble finding full-time career building work. It was always, here's a gig, here's a 12-month contract. Are we seeing a return to gig work I would say gig work has never really left, like gone away. Um, to me, like gig work, gig work and contracting has always been a thing and they come in like ebbs and flows. 
the thing about these layoffs specifically is that it's especially when you when you look at like the tech sector, which has gotten like some of these huge hits. If I had no ten tech employees, I know nine people that are at least I, I know at least nine people that are burnt out, right? Just because there's so much overwhelming work there. Um, and now that these layoffs have happened, it's not like that work stops. It's just been piled onto the people that have been left behind. Um, and at a certain point, companies hit a, a, a block. Either they're not able to produce the same amount of quality as before, or they're not able to do it in the same amount of time span as before. And that's when they start bringing in contractors. So in this type of market, contractors will be in more demand and opportunities will be a lot more accessible just because it's easier to, to to grab a contractor and you know, in the worst case scenario, cut a contractor without having to worry about paying out benefits or having to deal with, in some cases, unions. Um, so I do think that if someone is job searching and they're having a hard time getting a full-time job, opening themselves up to contracting opportunities would be a wise move because there's just going to be so much out there. What does the job market look like for entry-level job seekers and what advice do you have for them? It looks like the Hunger Games. <laughs> Is it that bad? <laughs> it's it's absolutely brutal. Um, I feel for I feel for entry level. Like I I graduated high school in two thousand and eight. Um, I went into the workforce in two thousand and twelve, and like it wasn't that like that weird span between like the the recession just happened and then like the the bailouts and the bounce back happened. So it was like even there in that in that weird time, it was still hard to get an entry level job. Now. Part of what I mentioned is that, um, and I've been telling people, is that companies have these expectations now while that they can get higher talent for a lower cost. Um, and that means it's it's just playing on the desperation of the market. You're seeing a lot of people that were mid-level careers, or in some cases, senior-level careers, willing to take a pay cut just to have some money coming in. They'll go for entry-level jobs. So like, it, it makes it hard for someone that's just starting out, unless you have connections, networking, internships, a deep portfolio, you're not going to stand a chance to get someone that's more senior willing to take less money. My next question is what advice you have for other job seekers, people who are currently unemployed and they're struggling to find their next role. I kind of shudder to even ask you this question after the answer to the previous one, but let's uh, let's hear what you have to say. Uh, I would say for anyone that's unemployed and that's struggling right now, um, I would say, you know, look at all your options. You, this is the time where you have to be the most flexible and I say this with respect to knowing that some people might not have flexibility in terms of asset, in terms of assets, liabilities, or like having dependents like children or elderly parents. But one of the things that we have to do in these type of situations is be flexible in terms of the type of jobs that we, we, we are willing to do or can do and the type of uh, skills that we have that may be transferable. And then looking at things like potentially like temporarily relocating or opening yourself up to contract opportunities. Like I would say, look at like, you know, get an idea of like what your comfort zone is and look at the things outside of your comfort zone and start experimenting. On top of that, I always encourage people to network, 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 right? Always be networking. ABN it doesn't flow as much as like ABCs, but ABN, always be networking. If you find you're having a conversation with somebody that you bumped into at the grocery store, you know, ask them is what is it that they do, right? And then keep that in your mind. Maybe schedule a follow-up. You know, uh, I'm a big anime guy. I love talking about anime. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Reddit talking about anime. 
And a lot of times I've actually made some really good career conversa- uh, career connections by talking about anime because people that work in senior leadership positions, they have interests as well. So you just never know. Um, and then on top of that, while you're waiting for those job opportunities to get back to you, find ways to keep developing yourself and adding to what you can do, right? Develop new skills, take a free course, go on a YouTube, go on YouTube and go down the rabbit hole. And then when you learn something, try to find ways to apply it in your real life, i.e., if you learn about data analytics and you have a friend that's an that's trying to be an influencer, use what you learned in data analytics to do a full breakdown of what they're what your friend is doing successfully and what they're not doing successfully and give them a report. Add that to your portfolio. Now you are a data analytics consultant and your friend is your first client. Rinse and repeat. And that's how you kind of like re-up yourself. And in some cases, that might even translate to, to, to paid opportunities, which may lead to your own business. And that's how a lot of entrepreneurs have gotten started. Jeremy, what do you say to people who are not happy in their current job? And with layoffs happening, I'm sure there's a lot of companies where people are feeling overburdened. They're trying to do the work of people who've left the company. They're unhappy and they're wondering, should I look for a job elsewhere? What do you say to people like that? What is the strategy? Uh, I got two things I say to that. Uh, first and foremost, I would say date your job. Treat your job like a dating partner, right? If somebody was toxic or somebody was bringing you down, you would dump them, wouldn't you? You would dump them and you would find someone else to go spend time with. So it, it's the same thing that applies to the job. And the second one of the sports analogy that Kawhi Leonard inspired, right? Um, you play for the name on the front of the jersey, but you're loyal to the name on the back of the jersey. So be cutthroat. I always tell people to always be interviewing, right? ABI. I know I got ABN, ABI, but always be interviewing because you want to know that what you can get on the free market so that if you decide to state your current employer, it's an informed choice, not one that's thorn of ignorance. Like you always know what you can get on the free market. And then my second reason for that too is the best thing to do is to interview for a job that you don't care about because that's when you can ask for the most ridiculous of things and you can see how far you can get away with it. If you know, if you did four interviews at jobs that you didn't care for and you say, you know what, I'm currently making 50K, I'm just going to ask them if I can work remote and get 100K and three of those employers give you offers for a 100K remote job and you decide to stay at that 50K job that you're currently at, that's an informed decision. So always in your best interest to just know what's going on in the market, always have your options open. Whether you're just starting your search or you've been applying for many months, it's clear that the power dynamics have shifted in favor of the employer. And that's not great news for employees. Rob, what are your takeaways for young adults navigating the current market? One, let's face it, the great job market of 2021-22 is fading away. With a recession coming, expect employers to be thinking more about cutting staff than finding creative ways to lure new employees. Two, you can still negotiate with a new employer on salary, benefits, and remote work, but don't push too hard. Remember, your leverage isn't what it used to be. Three, some thoughts for people who are stuck and can't find a position. Consider taking some contract work or relocating. Also, build up your skills to improve your resume and work your network to find out about jobs that might fit. Thank you for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Kyle Fulton, Anna Stafford, and Emily Jackson. Our executive producer is Alicia Sani. Thank you to Ayushi, Dan, and Jermaine for joining us. 
You can find stress tests wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share it with your friends. Next week on Stress Test. (laughs) Pet ownership seemed like a great idea during the pandemic, but caring for canines is a long-term commitment. And for some, the bill is getting rough. Until then, find us at theglobalmail.com. Thanks for listening.